Welcome back to our Triune Pod. It's Ben and Nick here. And Nick, Memorial Day is right around the corner, the day when we have zero people in our pews. I'm actually kind of happy for them because they get to have a lot of fun. What Do you have any Memorial Day memories that really stand out to you? You know, not really. When I was a kid, Memorial Day was not the start of summer because we still had two or three weeks of school. And in Southern California, it's summer all the time, weather-wise. So it just felt like a random three-day weekend. I don't have any distinct memories attached to Memorial Day. Like, not a single one. I do with Labor Day, with Fourth of July, obviously, other holidays during the school year. But Memorial Day, to me, is a random day off. And now that I'm a pastor and I take summer vacations, I don't leave on Memorial Day. So it is just, I forget that it's happening all the time. What about you? Well, I could not have a different experience. Memorial Day, run up in the Northeast, was always that time where the transition from spring to summer, sometimes prolonged winter to yeah, and like very be- like beaches happens. open, right? Oh, totally, totally. You're you're at the beach for the first time, or you had the family parties, and I distinctly remember I was maybe seven, eight years old. We're having a party at a family friend's house. They've got this incredible pool. And around like 8, 9 p.m. when it just starts to get dark. Is Bob DeHart just like crushing darts? Like, is he smoking <laughs> at this point? Oh, my, my dad was definitely smoking until I was 10 or 11 before it almost killed him. But um, it was more, I mean, my parents never really drank. Um, and even when they would go to those parties, my, my parents are pretty, they, they, they drank in moderation. It was my friend's parents. Wow. Absolutely out of control. But I mean, you're seven, eight years old, so you don't really understand what's happening. But I distinctly remember my best friend at the time, his mother was like starting fights. And this one Memorial Day weekend, she fell into the pool. Oh, my gosh. To her. Is it? Was it the and same the group kids of are just friends? Like, oh, she like fell over, blah, blah, blah. And later in life, you're like, oh, like the they would fight around this time. And she was all kinds of all over the place is because she just had one too many pieces of that awful boxed wine. That is true. That's very New Jersey. Yeah. That I know. I think you're right though. The Northeast, the Memorial day is the start of summer in like a very significant way. Whereas for me, summer, it was kind of always summer. And so the, it was just a random holiday, but labor day functioned as the end of summer. Cause we always started school like the next day. So that was the most depressing holiday in the world to me when I was a kid, it was like one of my least favorite days of the year because school is about to start. But... So you feel like you've left Eden since leaving something. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, I have lived away from there at this point longer than I lived there. Cause I left when I was 18. So I'm, then I'm 37. So, um, or is no. there like a special malaise that comes about with, I'm living in paradise, but is this all there is? It's very different, I think, when you're born there. I have heard for from people who move there like later in life for a job or whatever, that it takes a couple years before they don't feel like they're on vacation every day because of the weather. Huh. But I never had that experience because I never knew anything else until I moved to the frigid, sorrowful Midwest in 2003. But we digress. No, wait, but for, but for Raleigh, in, in Raleigh, is Memorial Day something that people look yeah. to? Oh, yeah, because it's weird. Raleigh is uh, about as far from the coast as Philadelphia is, where my wife grew up. But it's like there's beach 
culture here in a way that is way more than a city like Philadelphia. Like people go to the beach for the day all the time. And okay. a lot of people have beach houses and the more affluent you are, obviously the more likely you are to have a beach house or go to the beach for the day or whatever. But um, so at like at our church, there are definitely a lot of people who are either at the beach or at the lake on Memorial day. So yeah, it's a bummer because it's Pentecost this year. So it's kind of like, Oh, it's, it's a big deal in the life of the church. Be, you know, come. We're it's doing a baptismal feast, everybody. <laughs> yeah. We're doing a bunch of baptisms. So hopefully that will help, but nevertheless, yeah, yeah we'll be we'll swimming upstream. So do you get invited to these beach houses, your parishioners on? Uh, like to stay with them for the week or well, like, to, like I have access. Yeah. If I like, wanted. Yeah, people have said to me a number Father of times, Nick, like, if you ever wanted house. to spend, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, oh, I'm much cool. more of a mountains guy. Raleigh is uh, like three hours from the mountains, two hours from the coast. And so people tend to have a mountain house or a beach house if they're that type of person. And I tend to be someone who's more attracted to the mountains than the coast. Final question. Is there an equivalent to Wildwood? on the coast where everyone from Raleigh goes, but the people on the coast stay away from in droves. Oh, like, so for like Philly. A, yeah. A yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Wildwood, but people in Jersey, no way. Or Cape May. Uh, yeah. I, I, the answer is, I don't know, but I would think there might be in, um, there's the dirty Myrtle, you know, Myrtle beach. Um, everything I know about Myrtle Beach, I know from Eastbound and Down, the TV show, <laughs> which is probably like half true. Uh, but I, I would like people, people will go down there for, you know, like party or whatever. And like in Hilton Head is not that far away too. And like even Savannah, Savannah is like four hours away, I think. So, but I'm, I think a lot of locals go there too. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. Okay. Maybe we'll cut that last part out. All right. Well, I've talked about what I've been preaching about. It's uh, it's your turn, Nick. It's Pentecost this Memorial Day weekend. And instead of doing a lictionary, Nick is doing Romans 7. So what do you mean? No, not, not Romans 7. Oh, Romans, Romans, sorry. Both start with an R. What, what yeah. are you talking about? I've been doing this series uh, throughout Eastertide uh, with a couple exceptions around um, on the book of Revelation. And I'm kind of reading the book of Revelation as this apocalypse as this unveiling. And I want, I'm trying to make the case that one way to think about what the book is about is it gives us these fantastic images that show us what Jesus is doing in the world today. Like not what Jesus did in the gospels or what Jesus, what Jesus will do, but the types of things that Jesus does in the world now and through these the fantastic images that we find in the book of Revelation. So the text that I'm going to look at this Sunday is in Revelation 7, where the four angels are about to release the four winds of judgment. And right before that, one angel comes from the east, it says, and says, before you do that, angels, I want to mark 144,000 with uh, a seal on their forehead to be protected from the judgment. That's mm -hmm. the image. And so the burden on the preacher is to make sense of this bizarre image. And I want to make the case that the seal in a way that's analogous to the story of the Passover and Exodus. And then there's a bizarre story in Exodus in Ezekiel nine of people being marked on the forehead to be spared judgment, that the seal functions as this protective sign whereby people are spared judgment. And the sparing in revelation is not a physical sparing 
And as we all know, believers get fired and have broken marriages and get cancer and are even persecuted for their faith. So you're not safe from misfortune or tragedy, but the seal functions as this protective force that keeps your faith vibrant and alive, even amidst the crunch of clashing kingdoms, right? So, um, and obviously Paul uses the metaphor of being sealed to talk about the work of the spirit, right? Ephesians one sealed with the Holy spirit, Ephesians four, first, second Corinthians one. So I'm going to try and tie it to Pentecost and say like, what is Jesus doing in the world today? He is sealing people with the spirit of God to enable their faith to stand amidst all the trials and tribulations that we find ourselves in. Kind of reminds me of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. It's not quite the same seal. That, no, that that is that's the way. Yeah, that's what I meant by Exodus, the Passover. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, judgment came through the city, and those who had the mark mm-hmm. were spared. And so it's like, you know, that what's what's difficult to to differentiate is it's not that if you're a Christian, bad things won't happen to you. Like that's obviously not true, but the notion is more that if you're a believer and you have the seal your faith will be able to see through and see past whatever difficult things you're experiencing and like have that joy and peace and faith through it all. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses and how they're only no. 144,000 of us are going to get No, saved. I don't, I don't engage in any, like throughout this series, I haven't engaged in any of those polemics about like, I don't like, I don't find it helpful as a preacher to like, totally. Thank put you. Uh, like rival interpretations, you know, yeah. it's like, no one cares like, or they don't know. And so you're just going to confuse them even more totally. by saying, so you make happy, this. like the 15 people who just love those kind of who apologetics. read blogs. Yeah. 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 I'm not interested in stuff like that, yeah. but do you but think I do that think... number? No, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I think I'm going to talk about this in the sermon on Sunday, but this, what I'm talking about sounds very abstract. I realize this, but like, I think if you look at the way that like Tim Keller died, and the kind of things he said as he was dying, like, did you did you read any of those like quotes or seen that stuff on Twitter? I, I saw it, but refresh my memory. Well, like one of the things he said was like, you know, one of I think it was his last like public statement was basically like, I'm very thankful for all the people who've been praying for me. I'm very thankful for my family. I'm very thankful for the time that I've had on this earth, but I am ready to be with the Lord. And my prayer right now is God send me home. And then the one of the last things he said to his family, it's just it's like such a great line. He says, there is no downside for me in this. No downside at all. And his point is like, of course, it's terrible to die. And of course, it's terrible to be taken from your wife and kids and grandkids. But you know, that, that dude was sealed. Like he was able to see through the trials of pain and suffering with pancreatic cancer. And he died with his faith even more alive and vibrant than it was when he was thriving, you know? And that can, look, of course, that's, I'm not saying he's what we all should be. That's not my point. But like, that's that's a testimony to the grace of God, not Tim Keller. And um, I find that kind of stuff, seeing, seeing believers or seeing people just go through really hard things and not denying the pain and difficulty of it while also not giving way to anger or cynical unbelief, like that to me is the most inspiring thing a person can do. And I, you know, I think that's in part, at least what the seal is about. Yeah. And just talking about him for a second. uh, It's just, it's kind of remarkable. He's been doing ministry for a long time. 
you did it in an area where before Redeemer came to New York, there there weren't like lots of Christians in New York. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he told me that part of the reason he came to New York 20 years ago was Tim Keller kind of made it okay for Christians who like the arts, who like deep thinking to like think, oh, okay, I could move to New York because at least like Redeemer will be there, Tim will be there. Mm. And the other part is just, I mean, they just kind of seemed pretty humble the whole way through, even when they he got kind of big, even when it could have got to his head. Uh, just all those public statements were, I don't know, just seemed... Well, you had personal say, interaction with him, right? I'd, I've never met the man, but you had some, you were on calls with him, right? And you were in the, his backyard in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was allegedly teaching a class with him, but uh, uh, I didn't really speak because he spoke the whole time. But it wasn't because I wanted to speak. I wanted to hear what he had to say. Uh, and even like when, like when Tim Keller would talk and it'd be like, well, I kind of feel like I either already know that or like I'm not interested in that. I don't know, just such a cool cool and warm dude. <laughs> what so, a left-handed what a backhanded compliment sometimes you talk and i'd be like i'm not that interested in that but he's still cool <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i'm such a dick um no. no i mean that the reason for god hit me at right just the right point in the early aughts so grateful for him uh do you think that 144,000 has anything to do with like jews and christians the 12 tribes the 12 disciples or you're probably not going to talk about it. In this yeah. Time, has, what do you think? It has this? to do with all that stuff. But I mean, it's it's just using symbolism and imagery uh, uh, in this case, the 12 tribes. But the 12 tribes, the way the 12 tribes are are written in Revelation 7 is unlike any instance of the 12 tribes being written elsewhere in scripture. They're not in the right order. The tribe of Dan is not in there and it's Manasseh that's in there. So there's like, it's very obviously not a literal rendition of the 12 tribes of Jacob. So I think what the author is saying or what the point of the vision is, is that Israel has been reconstituted as this multinational, multi-ethnic multitude that no one could number that is bearing witness to the living God in a, in a way that Israel was commissioned and called to do. Right. So I don't, I, I certainly don't think it's a description of like an actual group of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people would not like that trans or uh, interpretation, but um, like what kind seems of more accurate. Oh, like yeah. Radical dispensationalists. Oh yeah. Right, 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 right. Right. About the reestablishment of, the government of Israel and all that yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Well, I mean, that's there's a way to incorporate the Holy Spirit. Um, I think sometimes the Acts 2 text, which is always read in Pentecost, uh, but there are a lot of other passages from the scriptures about the Spirit that can also be read. I mean, in, in our own lectionary, you don't have to read the Acts 2 reading. There are two John readings you can pull from and then there's the old testament reading the book of numbers and you can Is read the first the... corinthians um but i feel like every year people talk about acts 2 and while it's and then... obviously a great narrative great text it's like you kind of miss uh john's um further understanding of right the spirit and, yeah what's the numbers text oh i, I don't remember i'll tell my okay <laughs> i just yeah, i yeah. just realized like oh if i don't do acts two people are going to be like 
what have you done? Yeah. And Why it's because the, the table of nations thing is so in a good way, odd. And it's so striking to hear all the different ethnic groups and nations read that it, it's a very like vivid memory. And if you, you notice it when it's not there. Yeah. Well, thanks Nick and uh gang. Hope you guys have a wonderful Memorial day weekend. Hope you don't fall into pools and we'll check you next time.